Greetings, everybody out there in dreamland. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. You're listening to the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast. And you're listening to me, the Beyond Top Secret Texan, broadcasting to you from the third coast, the coast with the most, the Gulf Coast of Texas. We're going to be speaking today about the paradoxes and the contradictions in something that on the face of it would seem very upfront and obvious. But which, when you start to investigate, you start seeing the double-edged nature of the secret space program unfold right before your very eyes and it's quite possibly the best starting rabbit hole and the what you would call final boss of the NASA and uh you know, mainstream space exploration enthusiasts. We're talking about Mars. We're talking about the red planet, the fourth planet from the sun, the object of so much desire and obsession by so many people in such very high places. Mars, the red planet, and we're going to be investigating both sides of the issue because there are two sides of the issue to investigate and you can't have a discussion about Mars without these two sides just like you can't have a discussion about a coin without without understanding that it has two sides the two sides of the Martian coin are that one, yes, Mars is real Mars is a real place it's a real planet orbiting heavenly body but no what they are showing you what they are telling you is not real and they go to great lengths and tremendous Herculean efforts to lie and present an illusion of both their understanding, their presence on, and the nature of Mars. They, the powers to be, the Mars Society, and many other elements of the Freemasonic thought control matrix system that they have built up, the pyramid scheme on planet Earth. 
not only can be verified as such, it's no longer just a theory or, or a speculation or a suspicion. And the ideas have so much evidence that they are no longer even controversial. In that sense. For after nearly 15 years of accelerating the Mars colonization hysteria, the cat is well out of that bag. For all eyes have turned to Mars and the efforts on Mars and it is now set in motion the disclosure of the truth on both ends both the disclosure of the truth of the lie and disclosure of the truth of the real situation on Mars that's why we have to talk about both these things, because we have to talk about what they've been lying to us and presenting to us as Mars, and the discrepancies, the proofs that this is all very much their presented worldview of illusion. Because the truth is too impressive too categorically revolutionary and too eye-opening for the majority of humanity at this point in time as we mature going forward into the future. However, this is their decision that we are not ready for this information and what I am trying to do in this episode is help prove them wrong by helping illuminate you guys inform you guys out there in dreamland the greatest audience out there in dreamland to help sharpen you that you can see with your own eyes and think with your own mind about this as they see it because they can keep one foot in truth and one foot in the lie telling you half-truths so that you can believe half-lies Let's dive into it. First, let's talk about some Mars facts, just so we can lay it on the table so we know what we are talking about.
Mars officially is the fourth planet from the Sun and the second smallest planet in the solar system, being larger than only Mercury. In English, Mars carries the name of the Roman god of war and is often called the Red Planet. The latter refers to the effects of iron oxide prevalent on Mars' surface, which gives it a striking reddish appearance in the sky. Mars is a terrestrial planet with a thin atmosphere, equivalent to 1% of Earth's atmosphere in density. With surface features such as impact craters, valleys, dunes, canyons, and polar ice caps. At its furthest, it is approximately 154,800,000 miles from the sun during its aphelion. The distance from Earth at closest is 30 million miles, approximately. At the furthest distance, it is roughly 150 million miles, with an average being 50 million miles, approximately. Gracing this red planet are, Olymp are such geographical wonders such as Olympus Mons, the largest volcano and the highest known mountain on any solar system planet. The Valles Marianas, one of the largest canyons in the solar system. It is four times deeper than the Grand Canyon and ten times longer than the Grand Canyon, stretching approximately the length of the continental United States. The smooth Borealis Basin in the Northern Hemisphere covers 40% of the planet and may be a giant impact feature. A crater that stretches 40% of the Northern Hemisphere. Mars has two small and irregularly shaped moons, Phobos and Deimos. The days and seasons on Mars are comparable to those of Earth as the planets have a similar rotation period and a tilt of the rotational axis relative to the ecliptical plane. Mars, in many ways, is the twin of Earth, but very small compared to Earth, being roughly half the size of Earth and having roughly only 15% sorry, 25% of the 
surface area of Earth. So half as small, but with only 25% of the surface area of Earth. Officially, Mars has been explored by only several uncrewed aircrafts, or spacecraft, at this time. Mariner 4 was the first spacecraft to visit Mars, launched by NASA on the 28th of November 1964. It made its closest approach to the planet on the 15th of July 1965. Mariner 4 detected the weak Martian radiation belt measured at about 0.1% that of Earth and captured the first images of another planet from deep space. This is where the beginning of the myth and the lie that Mars has no magnetic shielding around it and only has the equivalency of 0.1% of our atmosphere. Which, as we will go on later about the, discrep- the discrepancies and the contradictions which the liars, the illusionists, are trying to portray Mars as being this barren, dead world, uh, incapable of having life or even liquid water. Um, the 1% atmosphere keeps coming up again and again and again. Even though there are weather, observable weather phenomenons like sandstorms, there are observable seasons, there are observable clouds, there are observable, um, you know, phenomenon that imply atmospheres and magnetism, such as aurora borealises, and um, you know the, the plethora of associated uh, facts like. We have a helicopter drone currently on Mars that can fly what has been reported as up to, I believe, 3,000 meters away from it because the implications are it actually flies into cloud cover and clouds on Mars would or have been estimated at only being able to form at around 100,000 feet, approximately, being uh, pearlescent clouds in the highest atmospheres. But the tethered range of the drone copter in the latest probe to Mars only has a officially listed radio maximum radio uh, reach of 3,000 meters. And according to the footage, it must have reached the maximum height it could possibly have reached and the clouds would have been, as mentioned before, at their ultimate lowest to have been uh, where they are together in those scenes, those photos. 
But that is another discrepancy for the future when we get to that point. We will cross that bridge when we get to it. So. Since 1965, they've been trying to create the public image of Mars as being this lifeless red rock. This desert world. NASA's Viking 1 lander transmitted the first images from the Martian surface, though, in 1976. Two countries had successfully deployed rovers on Mars, the United States first doing so with the Sojourner in 1997, and China with the Zurong in 2021. There are investigations accessing the past a bit... Habitability. Habitability. There are investigations accessing the past habitability of Mars, as well as the possibility of extant life. Astrobiology missions are planned, such as the European Space Agency's Rosalind Franklin rover. Liquid water on the surface of Mars cannot exist due to the low atmospheric pressure, which is less than 1% of the atmospheric pressure on Earth. Both of Mars's polar ice caps appear to be made largely of water. Mars can easily be seen from Earth with the naked eye, as can its reddish coloring. Its apparent magnitude reaches... Exactly, and it goes into like more about the, the astronomy about Earth. So, yes. It can be safely said that mankind has been very obsessed with Mars for a very long time, and that we have done our utmost to try to reach it and to explore it, which is not contradictory to reality. That is absolutely the case. I'm not doubting that. In fact, I believe we've gone there and done much more with much more than just uncrewed space probes. I believe we have colonized it. I believe we have sent manned missions. I believe that there are millions of people, human beings, currently living on Mars from different originating circumstances being either volunteers from third world nations organized and sent through logistics programs which are in the black world not in the white world the black top secret worlds various nations militaries and cooperating with various other nations militaries and capabilities it all feeds itself to the it all feeds up um cloning which has been an established scientific fact since the 1930s, has produced many of these generations, as well as the natural human ability to breed and reproduce on colonies, a quickly doubling and exponentially doubling their numbers over the last several decades. With great confidence, I can say that there are millions and millions of people currently living on Mars. 
They live on colonies fabricated and built mostly into subterranean uh, habitats, into bunkers, into uh, massive shafts that they just basically burrow into the ground in a concrete, and then they start digging outward at different levels, creating manufacturing levels, creating uh, habitat levels, uh, creating uh, you know scientific research or industrial le- levels. And it's basically like a giant elevator shaft. They just kind of uh, keep sinking it as they need it. They don't expand much outward, but they do vertically and vertically into the ground. They have solar-powered facilities for the most part, but nuclear fission is also a you know capability, as is wind power. But solar power is extremely common and so prevalent that these colonies are most recognizable from orbit by seeing their solar panels, their solar farms because of their massive energy requirements but when you locate them, say a metropolis or a larger uh, permanent outpost because the building itself is subterranean you would only be able to see the traffic tracks and in, in roads leading you know towards the actual installation itself and any traffic making its way there caravans or um, colonists but compared to the solar farms which would stretch into the acreage which would stretch for many many hundreds of square acres you know that is that is you know the thing that you're looking for that is the thing that everyone is is uh gonna be able to see and that they try to keep secret that's why they don't let real images ever really come back from Mars the, the images that you see from NASA from other space agencies like the European Space Agency, the ESA, or JAXA, the Japanese uh, Space Agency. Those images are CGI for the most part, absolutely CGI. They are completely um, illustrations, have no bearing in reality. They are not from real cameras. And while it's true, you can see Mars from Earth the the fidelity at that distance, 50 million miles, is only the glint and reflection, the refraction of the light you're seeing from the atmospheric shell itself. The reason why it's red is the magnetism, it's the frequency of the magnetism that reflects the red wavelength and like our aurora borealises are blue and green their aurora borealises are red and dark orange, or or even light orange. It's more like an orange yellow. Um, point is though, it's not like it's not blood red. But yeah, they want you to think it's like this deep red rust hue, but it's not. It's no more red, and even at its reddest, than like Arizona or Oklahoma. And anyone who's lived in the basically belt. Oh, or any desert can tell you. Sandstorms, weird-ass fucking weather, 
that's 100% normal. Um, there's always images from, like, Saudi Arabia and, like, Israel, where the sun is, or the sky is just red, and, like, everything is, like, dark, and it looks like it's the end of the world, and it's not, it's just, like, a sandstorm, and they have those every other couple of weeks, and especially every year where there's, like, monsoon season and shit. It's a monsoon, basically. It's a, It has rain in the weather. It just has this, like, weird, you know, red clay and dirt. Africa's like that, too. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Anyone who's actually lived and been around these environments will tell you that they're red. The dirt is red. Everything is red. Every, every fucking thing is red. The water is red. <laughs> Everything is red. And it, it's like the mud is red. Uh, the plants are red. You know, and it's like a natural coloration of na- nature. And nature does that. That's saying it's, Nature's not always brown and it's not always green. Sometimes it's red or orange or yellow or, you know, brown, like yellow, gray. It has many different colors. And, but they're all natural. And uh, Mars is just like that. In fact, Mars officially ranges in colors. Uh, and this is officially, this is even, the, I'm just reading the Wikipedia right here, right? So this is not even uh, my own insider knowledge. Mars is approximately, see, the red, or sorry, the red orange appearance of the Martian surface is caused by iron oxide or rust. It can look like butterscotch. Other common surface colors include golden, brown, tan, and green, depending on the minerals present. So yes, even by Wikipedia, normal, mainstream, blue-pilled, you know, complicit in the lie, Freemason-controlled Wikipedia, right, that they'll admit that the red-orange appearance of Mars is not the only color and that across the surface, it looks like butterscotch, which is a type of, you know, uh, burgundy, uh, golden, golden yellow, brown, which is just basically dirt, tan, sand, and green, which is like lichen and moss and, and you know, grass. So, yeah, when you look at Mars, you might see a green part because there's just grass there or trees you know, or algae, or moss, or lichens, because what really they're t- I'm getting at is that Mars is a very healthy biome, even though it might be suffering from a planet-wide desertification, or, you know, it has a hydration system, a water table system, that it's learned to adapt to, and just because the surface of a planet appears to be a desert does not mean that it's lifeless or barren or it has no like atmosphere or uh, ability to have liquid water or life on it and like all these jump to conclusions which they want you to think about it because they don't want you to understand that you have a very close in, in astronomical terms inhabited planet as a neighbor and that communications for in terms of communication radio waves radio only takes 13 minutes to get across the distance between earth to mars right there's a 13 minute radio gap only and light 
is within a couple of uh, moments, a couple of minutes, right? Even seconds. And, uh, you know, communications that can, say, involve lasers or, you know, even um, just focused and dedicated radar stations or radio stations have occurred and been occurring. The first radio communication with Mars took place in the 1800s with Nikola Tesla, for example. And that this is absolutely the reality that's going on. There is a communication back and forth between the inhabitants of Mars and then now helping fundamentally create the secret space program and then the um, colonization efforts, therefore, you know, and therewith. uh, We're not even going to get into transportation. We're not even going to get into that idea or reality yet because that's saved for the physical engineering episodes, the space travel episodes talked about it before, how it's possible, and um, the fact that it's extremely likely that we're doing it, uh, you know, to the point that I know for a fact we are doing it, it's just that it's extremely likely that we would be doing it because of all the projects work and all the momentum given that direction of uh, research, etc., and that's absolute child's play when it comes to the advancements that we've been making in terms of aviation and physics, etc., and uh, engineering-wise, we are fully capable of going and colonizing Mars, and we have been since the 19... Um, well, we have been since, you know, Dark Fleet got the real technology, of course. We have been since we started collecting all the downed UFOs, you know, in the American West and around the world, etc. We've been able, though, to do it by ourselves, even though we've never really been alone, you know, for well over 50 years and exactly even if none of the other factors existed mankind would have gotten to an industrial level and technological level within the last 50 years to have easily easily been able to put people on mars full time no problems asked like no problem at all the reason why we have it and the reason why there's all this lie is because of various metaphysics or various factors that would be deemed too too, too much, too much revelation, too revealing, for a population deemed too immature for the purposes of like you know traveling in in both spiritual and physical ways. So we'll be getting into the reasons why, but we'll be getting into how they've been faking it. They've been faking it with. Just one bold faced fucking lies and just lying to people that support them in mass and lying to people in mass through NASA, through other various uh, mouthpiece platforms that the Freemasons own and control, through the Royal Academy of Sciences, through all the different space agencies, through creative privatized efforts that reinforce the lie while also calling into criticism NASA for being unable to keep its own lies straight. And it's like, it's very much, they have lies on top of lies. And this is, this is so, this is like, (laughs) 
So imagine there's the two-headed eagle, which is the model they always like to use, and the two-headed eagle, and you have one side of the eagle, which is the truth of the secret space program, and the other side, which is all the lies. And not only do they have the various, like, just the entire lie, they have different body parts of the lie. You have the lied head, you have the fake head, you have the fake wing, you have the fake feet, you know, the fake talons, the fake feathers, and you have all these different components of the fakeness that create the greater lie, right? You lie about so many little things that you get the great big lie to actually take shape. And you have societies that, like NASA... That and like the the physics departments, like the Elon Musk SpaceX crew, and you have the people who are like in uh, Mars One and the Mars Society, and you have like uh, Buzz Aldrin and all the ex astronauts, and you you keep having these like Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos, and they're all in the lie, but they're telling a different lie. And their lies are like, we can colonize Mars, and I'm going to get to Mars with my SpaceX rocket. You know, SpaceX is going to colonize Mars, because NASA can't do it, because NASA's a bunch of bums. They're going to get, they're lazy, and they're dumb, and I'm Elon Musk, and I'm, I'm the smartest man ever, and I'm going to get to Mars with my Mars rocket. See, that's a lie, because he's not. And he's never going to be able to because that's not how it works. It's not controlled that way. Also, the the fact that we're already on, (laughs) you know, like we're already there and we're already, you know, hanging out and rocking and rolling and colonizing. And we have millions of people up there on Mars, you know, like you see how it's there are so many different lies. It's hard to pick out the one that you want to like dissect because the ultimate lies that no, none of that even makes any sense. We're already on Mars. We're already colonizing Mars. We're already, um, you know, cloning people, sending people up there, having wars. We've already lost Mars at one point, got annihilated, decimated, almost completely destroyed on Mars due to the Ryan Draco, you know, but that was 20 years ago. That was in 2001. And, uh, you know, now we're, we've already rebuilt, mostly recolonized and replenished those numbers of all the losses, reinforced our positions, uh, you know, increased the defenses. So it's now built back literally twice as strong and twice as good, twice as, you know, better than ever. But see how the lies, you know, that works, how that system works, how the whole, um, how the whole, um, um, grand illusion works, right? It's like, it's like every, every single thing is an illusion. And so it all adds up to form a greater illusion. Now, the way they've been doing that also is the many different pieces of evidence quote-unquote evidence, which is all CGI, photoshopped, are taking taken on site on Earth locations and presented as proof of the inhospitability and the hostility of the Martian environment and landscape. This is evidence... When you start thinking about possible locations on Earth that can appear equally barren and, and you know, Mars-like, 
appropriate enough to serve as areas in which NASA officially simulates Mars colonies and, you know, tests their Martian equipment on because it so closely matches the Martian landscape. You start breaking it down. And it's not crazy at that point. Because places like the Hawaii Space Exploration Analog and Simulation Area, the High Seas, they love their acronyms. So the Hawaii Space Exploration Analog and Simulation Area, the High Seas, is an analog habitat for human spaceflight and colonization of Mars. High Seas is located on an isolated position on the slopes of the Mauna Loa volcano on the island of Hawaii. Right? And so, just just to kind of bring it into kind of um, perspective, just reading this one site, and I'll kind of read a few others just to kind of bring it up. The area has Mars-like features. Remember, this is just Wikipedia. This is all open source. Um, not, you know, like, no esoteric knowledge, no insider information or books. This is all just anyone who's paid attention. They'll talk about this on their NASA TV channel. So in 2013, they created it, right? Oh, sorry. It's uh, also at an elevation of 8,200 feet, 2,500 meters above sea level, right? So, yeah, it's basically high-altitude, barren, rocky, lava rock and location. Not like tropical, lush Hawaii, right? That's why I said. If anyone knows geographically about Earth, you can find a thousand and one places in the Western Hemisphere alone, uh, that look like Mars. And there would easily be no problem in just securing these areas because the federal government can buy, and everyone loves NASA. It's not like people don't like NASA because they think they're helping them. They think that they're going to be the ones taking the first steps on Mars. You know, it's a small step for a man, but a great, uh, large step for a mankind. The missions of the extended duration from the four months... Remember, that started in 2013. Uh, officially, right? Officially. Although the Navy's owned Hawaii for, like, I don't know, the last 150 years. So, I'm pretty sure the Navy knows a little bit more about Hawaii than most other people. The mission... Uh, are extended duration for four months to a year. Its missions place high seas in the company of a small group of analogs, remember these are Mars analogs, that are capable of operating very long duration missions, eight months or longer, in isolated and confined environments, such as Mars 500, Concordia, and the International Space Station. Because my ultimate theory is that this is going to continue and that in the future, specifically this next decade 
and the decades to come, um, they are going to fake colonize Mars and disclose a little bit of the truth, drip feed it, basically, and their intentions. I hope that this doesn't come to actual pass and that it ultimately it happens like a light switch going off and they just ultimately reveal everything at once, uh, which everyone already kind of knows anyway to be the case and the truth. So the fact that they're going to take another hundred years to drip feed us the information that's been going on for the past 50 years puts us at 150 years of lag which is better than nothing, and at the same time, um, much faster than other colonization efforts throughout history. It's not like in 150 years the Spanish, you know, had even reached California or something at that point. So it's exactly like, yeah, we're going to realize that there are cities on Mars and people living and dying and, and living their lives on Mars every day, uh, just as part of the human race, you know, not a part of Earth, but a part of the human race. And it's going to take about 150 years for that to become, like, official, officially legit by the way they're going, right? But they're going to fake it until they make it, and they're going to fake it by using Mars analogs and colonies on Mars with people literally living and dying and living for years play acting, role playing that they are on Mars and they will be in Hawaii <laughs> they will be in like uh, Devon Island in Canada they will be in Svargold Island in Greenland they will be in uh, Utah but bouncing around walking around in space suits and you know acting like they're 30 million miles, 50 million miles away from Earth and that, you know, they're never going to see their family again. And they will live, you know, like a live TV show, basically. And, um, they're currently using these facilities to have the probes there, the rovers, Curiosity, uh, Observer, um, or, I mean, Opportunity, Curiosity, um, all the rovers, right? All of them. They're all in these little sites. Not the same ones, but I think there's a good case to say that there are these probes in different sites and that they just present to people batches of evidence, quote-unquote evidence, that word again, of the data they're collecting, the photos. And the photos are just... The photos of Earth from those locations, photoshopped and CGI to give it the same kind of effect. Like they're they're all made oranger and they're all made more red, but really it's Earth. Like and it's been proven that the they they are editing and editing the color specifically of the uh, photographs because there's a color calibration wheel on the Curiosity rover. The or, or the Opportunity Rover, sorry, the Opportunity Rover, and the color-coded calibration wheel, which shows all the primary colors, so that you can reference the fact that if the colors are set, you know, different, then obviously the photos are, you know, damn or askew. 
you know, something is inaccurate, right? Because the color is the, the accuracy key. The color wheel is there in the ship. And the color wheel is dull gray. You know that the color, the, the photograph was, had its color removed. It was made black and white. And then put a red-orange scale on it, right? A filter. And then made to look like it was this orange, in, like, you know, sandstorm, fucking red planet type thing. And it's not. It's clearly not. Um, and this goes even to saying that, yeah, they, they not only Photoshop the colors, they alter and Photoshop together, stitch together the scenes, the panoramas, and the landscapes to create unique, unidentifiable landscapes. But you can tell by the... Okay, so there are things inside the photographs which are obvious to everybody, like lemmings, walrus bones, insects, and snakes. Just to name a very few of the many things found, including what appear to be pistols, army helmets, um, igloos, lights, like I said, like lights in the horizon, um, birds, like, you name it, crabs, um, crinoids, crinoids is a good one. They found crinoid fossils in some several of the photographs, and the crinoid is an oceanic uh, type of starfish that like swims around. And um, the fact that they found fossils in the rock photos would kind of make you scratch your head, because even with what I'm saying, like, well, why would there be a crinoid fossil? on the rock in the desert or on the volcano mountain of Hawaii until you like, you know, you just use your brain and you're like, Oh yeah, there's like, you know, seashell fossils in the rocks on earth all over the fucking place. You can find like seashells in like the Himalayan mountains. You can find seashells in Colorado, you know, like oyster shells and stuff like that. And if they were in Utah or in the mountains of Hawaii, yeah, you would have a you know a good chance of taking a photo of a rock, and you because if you're not paying attention, that rock has like you know a shark's tooth in it, or like you know a a trilobite, or like an ammonite, whatever you know, like a crinoids are also weird. That's the thing, like a crinoid fossil. Because on Earth, rocks have things in them because they're from, like, the bottom of the ocean. You know, like, uh, that's, like, you know, it makes perfect sense when you think about it being an Earth rock. Because, not that the crinoids existed on Mars, they are only showing you photographs from the barren areas, the obscure and isolated areas of Earth. They have yet to show you what, Mars truly looks like. I believe the only accurate photos of Mars, and I believe the last ones ever shown, featured the face of Cydonia. The face of Cydonia.
Yeah, okay, so the Cydonian region of Mars, um, which has attracted both scientific and popular interest. It borders the plains of the Acidalia Platea and the Arabia Terra Highlands. The area includes the region Cydonia Mince and the area of the flat-top mesa-like feature Cydonia Coilus, a region of small hills or knobs. Cydonia Labyrinthus, intersecting valleys, yada yada. Okay, so Cydonia contains the face on Mars located about halfway between the Irondus Crater and the Bamberg Crater. It was recorded in 1976. So photographed in 1976... The small part of the Cydonian region taken by the Viking 1 orbiter and released by NASA JPL on July 25th, 1976. The last photos were in the 70s because this was the reason why they stopped presenting real photographs of Mars. Because technology, telescope technology and probe technology had gotten so accurate, and we're talking, you know, real military class satellites that they will be able to take high-resolution photographs of the surface of the world and that they realize that the surface of the Mars and, uh, Mars and world, the surface of Mars, was absolutely filled with clearly identifiable landmarks of an ancient civilization. And that there was no way for them to basically play dumb there was no way for them to play as dumb as they needed to be to continually excuse the images of pyramids of edified faces and statues to the Martian species to hide the canals railways roadways uh, caravan paths, herds of large uh, fauna, native species, the storms, the rain patterns, the flooding, the seasonal flooding, the lush green territories during their seasons of bloom, such as summer and spring. And hundreds of other phenomenon which exist in the older photographs and exist in the older observations as well as the older experiments and efforts to get to Mars up to the 70s I'm sorry up to the 80s when the ultimate decision was made to actually recreate a more idealistically barren Martian surface on Earth, ironically. Because Mars was too diverse in its surface, too full of the thriving signs of life, including a series of short, or sorry, shallow, uh, 
but long interconnected rivers and artificially created canals, which clearly brought water through territories into clear agricultural regions, which were the product of the intelligent beings that live on Mars, that we live and share Mars with, and are actually currently engaged in an ever-intensifying conflict with. The intelligent insect philosophers of Mars. Survivors of the last great Martian war and inheritors of the once great Martian Empire. We'll be speaking about them. We'll be speaking about a few other issues coming in terms with the truth of space travel and, of course, the truth of Mars in the second hour. So thank you all very much. If you're listening, you got a lot of guts. Check out my social media, which is the Instagram, Instagram.com slash Beyond Top Secret Texan. At Beyond Top Secret Texan, all one word, all lowercase. Check out Telegram. Check out Linktree. Linktree slash Beyond Top Secret Texan. And check out the Patreon. Got the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Beyond Top Secret Text. Text is all capped. Thank you very much in advance for doing that. Please leave a like and rate this a five. So thank you all very much. When we come back, we'll be talking about Mars, the life on Mars, and the realities of the secret space program on Mars. Thank you all very, very much.
Alright, back again. Now, to kind of break it down more... I guess we call it, um... More succinctly, more concisely, more... Summarized and easy to digest. I will only be going over the broad stroke details of the um, the colonization efforts on Mars. I won't be going into any of the specifics because I have already gone over the specifics of the organization structure and the logistics being utilized currently in the colonization efforts of Mars and the various factions that have beachheads there are major investments like the ICC, the Dark Fleet, not Waffen, the Solar Warden, Earth Alliance, and various other secret space programs that are operating currently now, uh, you know, under the banner of the Earth Alliance, under the supervision of the Astra High Command. I have also spoken about before the various other intelligent life forms that live in our solar system as terrestrial, local, native species. Now, the diversity of life is plentiful, so that no two species are identical. But, like the human form, and just the human form, are the mammalian species adapting higher intelligence the similarities of a species can run far deeper than appearances would indicate including behavior alignment, temperament technological advancement level intellect, etc. One such example of convergent evolution between Earth and Mars, because they are twin planets, except they are polar opposites of each other, in terms of the hydrographic dispersion of water, liquid water, and its nature as present in its seasons and its water tables. Unlike the Earth, which is 75% surface uh, ocean, you know, water, uh, breaking down between fresh water and salt water, uh, mostly salt water, with areas such as the Pacific Ocean, which are so large that there are points where if you burrowed are tunneled straight through the earth, you would end up at a point still within the geographic Pacific Ocean. The southern hemisphere, in fact, only contains about 5% land mass compared to the 95%, and this is the southern hemisphere uh, of the Earth, uh, it's, it's water surface. 
our planet has oceans deep enough so that the tallest mountain on our surface would not peer above the surface in the ocean in the majority of the ocean if it was on the seafloor. That's how deep our waters are. Mars is the polar opposite. 25% of its entire area is dedicated to water compared to ours. Its water is not on the surface. In fact, only 5% of its most lush hemisphere, its southern hemisphere, is covered in surface water, making these very valuable oasises and an otherwise desertified, drought-ridden world. The water still exists, though, enough to support thriving and highly adaptive specialized ecosystems because the majority of the water is underground under the surface in deep underground lakes rivers and aquifers and species did not evolve on the surface with plentiful water and then some disaster took that water away, stripped it from the world, as the NASA scientist wants you to imagine, because that would explain away, eventually, why they will reveal ruins and monuments and monoliths created by the ancient Martian race, the ancient Martian empire, that was as technologically advanced as ourselves, and even warred over the earth millions of years ago against the ancient Venusians, also native to our solar system, that would eventually become the chief Ashtar High Command species leading the invasion into our solar system against the Orion Draco millions of years after the war was finished in a mutually assured destruction an interplanetary war between Venus and Mars. That's what truly destroyed the ancient Martian Empire. That's what truly ruined their cities and ecosystem and environment. That's what truly damaged their magnetosphere and plunged their world into a millennia-long drought. The very metal that their society, the iron that their society was built on, has rusted and dissolved to form the colorized sand. All the bridges, all the skyscrapers, all the buildings, all the cars, all of the vehicles, every part of their weapon systems have dissolved already to sand and are blowing in the many high winds of the severe sandstorms in the many Martian, now deserts, but what used to be verdant and very uh, thriving, you know, uh, cosmopolitan, you know, uh, megacities. 
with populations in the millions. But they want you to think that the entire cataclysm will be of natural origins, most likely climate change, so that they can reinforce the idea of complete eco-fascism run by technocrats and mega conglomerate corporations debating over the world that they have divorced you from and this is all why they are lying about it the motivations, the agenda that they have the ulterior motives they have hoping to deliver on in the future is to blame the fall of Mars on climate change that their society and industrialized society created due to overpopulation and strip mining of natural precious resources such as drinkable fresh water which they will use to motivate stricter and stricter controls over drinking water in the many third world and leftover billions as the great awakening occurs the great advancement uplifting occurs of mankind this is what the cabal hopes not what's going to happen but this is what the cabal hopes to achieve as things are currently this is why they have groups like the Mars Society being funded by American groups and not the United States taxpayer because it is in effect a propaganda service by corporations and conglomerations that make up the ICC currently (coughs) which are currently mining and colonizing with their slave cloned workforce the majority of the Martian surface using deep underground colonies and installations that they can create and have created over many generations, over many decades to access the water supplies underneath the Martian surface. These colonies are generally located underground to avoid exposure to any harsh elements or hostile weather phenomenon um, as well as to create easier to control life support areas when you can use Mars itself as literally the shell of an impenetrable bunker. It seems foolish to build any structure on the surface, except for the much necessary solar solar energy panels and radar dishes, which are clearly visible by any real photography or uh, astronomical investigations onto it, onto Mars' surface. But they don't allow that, they only allow CGI and the controlled images. That's why they are lying controlling these images. <coughs> controlling all media coming out through these analog sites. But yes, Mars is a twin of the Earth evolving life at the same time from its unicellular into its multicellular forms from two divergent evolutionary tracks after panspermia occurred throughout our solar system. This is a billion, billion, you know, billions of years Uh, long-go process. 
the life was able to sustain itself, not on the surface, but underground. So the original root species, much like on Earth, where we evolved in the oceans, they evolved in subterranean lakes and canals, rivers, oceans, stagnant water supplies, basically subterranean pools, evolving out to burrow and evolving a semi-aquatic life, mostly subterranean though, keep that in mind, but mostly subterranean is important, because contrary to what the geography of Mars appears to be, this massive desert, most of the creatures are geared towards a, a subterranean existence where they have ready supply of water in um, either forms of ice or liquid water in the southern hemisphere and the, the equator. But rarely do they go and travel on the surface. Rarely. Only intelligent life forms do and only for the same reasons we do. To set up logistic services, to travel, to set up uh, exploration, etc. The intelligent species that have evolved on Mars through convergent evolution are insectilian in appearance and in form. They are not the same insectilians that have been sighted in abductions and sighted in the colonization of Earth They are not the same insectilians that have evolved on an Earth in an alternate reality, an alternate universe, and have traveled through universes seeking destroyed or fallen Draco Draco, uh, empires, Draco reptilian empires, so that they may scavenge their technology and thus complete this constant evolutionary drive of theirs, close to instinct as, you know, a sea turtle returning to the beach in which it hatched to lay its eggs. These insectilians that I've already referred to as having been stopped from colonizing the world Earth in mass basically teleporting trillions of their population into Earth to pursue the reclamation of Orion Draco cities, bunkers, tunnels, technology, craft, uh, tools, hardware, etc. That sweet 4D black goo. Not those insectilians, not those mantids, no. Not that hive, no. Insectilians range and are local to most planets, given that their construction and evolution is superior in many aspects. Even on Earth, producing native insectilians of extreme size and intelligence native to the many jungles and even deserts of our world this is in keeping with my entire philosophy that life is abundant because life finds a way and every location and locality that's isolated 
unique or extreme will produce the same advancements in intelligence and supremacy of being if left undisturbed and allowed to thrive. The native insectilians of Mars are, yes, advanced socially, but technologically inferior to the current state of humanity or any other Ashtar High Command race. They do not have space travel. They barely have the power of flight or industrial age manufacturing capabilities. While able to form logistical, you know, complex centers like markets and hospitals and nurseries and, you know, um, education centers and um, social gatherings for political or religious reasons, uh, they are still manufacturing and crafting everything for unique and individual purposes. So one insectilian's clothing or garments or jewelry, whatever that may be, would be a highly personalized and self-crafted endeavor or a family heirloom or something bartered by someone who had either made it or acquired it very locally. They don't have the industrialization that mankind has achieved in the 1800s yet were standard template mass production uh, etc but they do number outnumber us and their and true extent of the society is worldwide Mars worldwide connecting through tunnels and networks various hives and other insectilian uh, installations and and, uh, territories, right? Hunting grounds, uh, the shared water supply, etc. They live, as far as we can tell, mostly peacefully amongst themselves. But even though relations with humans were peaceful at the very beginning of our colonization, when our colonies only numbered you know, between one and five, uh, before the trend and the awareness that a planet-wide colonization effort was underway by a persistent intelligent species, humanity, under the guise of various other intelligent races, Ashtar High Command, through either their own contact with such ambassadors from the Ashtar High Command or the um, hostilities provoked from miscommunications are just the, you know, hostilities present in humanity, right? Maybe humans were the first ones who who, uh, drew first blood. But hostilities quickly spread like a wildfire. And one of the first military engagements between humanity and an extraterrestrial race was not against an extraterrestrial race of superior or advanced technology, nor one invading our planet with UFOs, spaceships, spacecraft, space fleets, invasions, armadas, armies, etc. It was humanity, like it has been many times before, as colonizer, 
as aggressor and as the technologically superior foreigner invading with extreme prejudice the lands and territory that were being defended by a brave but ultimately powerless and defenseless intelligent race of insectilians whose braves and warrior cast would fight valiantly and fiercely setting up ambushes uh, attacking our colonies in efforts to frighten us to sow terror amongst us but that would only create a more evil image and negative intent in our mind resulting in further devastation and more aggressive tactics to purge populations until eventually a virus bomb that was genetically altered a basically that uh, was created it, this viral VX type gas was created by humanity like I said, I'm going to spare you guys a lot of details of the names and which organization created what or deployed what where during what situation ultimately a genetically tailored viral weapon was deployed on Mars's surface that acted as an insecticide and exterminated 90% of the insectilians present on that planet. This was during the 1980s. The colonists were quick to expand outward to utilize the areas that were once formally constructed and created by the insectilians repurpose them and move in basically as we as humans have done many times before setting up colonies and using the newly acquired space and safety to thrive and to set root and to anchor ourselves in as well as to bolster our knowledge experience and skills at suppressing rival intelligent species through the use of our military forces. In many ways, it was the perfect war for a new interstellar species, one where we as the aggressors were never in danger, and we as the aggressors would feel no guilt remorse or sympathy against an enemy that was so inhuman physically yet so human and it's victimhood since then whistleblowers have come forward such as Captain Randy Kramer such as Tony Rodriguez and many others speaking about serving in the 20 year and back program in the 1980s and 90s 
as members of Martian Defense Force either working for the Dark Fleet or the ICC protecting the uh, colonies or garrisoning in the Martian wilderness uh, communicating directly with insectilians either during this conflict or afterwards with the aftermath being actually quite peaceful and hopeful in terms of human insectilian contact and communication with humans stepping forward as negotiators, as diplomats and offering peaceful spaces and coexistences with insectilians rather than a immediate hostility learning to appreciate their individuality and their intelligence as well as their skill as natives to a land that is still hostile to human life even though it is in full evolution terraforming into a lush and human habitable twin world for earth many, and I mean many, of the human researchers and xenoarchaeologists currently, the ones really exploring the ruins of the ancient Martian civilization, will take insectilian guides, will take insectilian porters, will take insectilian security, experts of the land, and tomb raiders, experts in the archaeology itself, the local languages, the, the history, the traditions that are invaluable inside knowledge. This is when I existed, was post insectilian I guess you'd call it even post-Martian earthling war where the insectilians were almost extinct already although they still uh, numbered in the millions and their extinction was not the conclusion they were quickly adapting and evolving immunities towards this virus and being offered medical assistance by the earthlings in return they were and are still going to regain their numbers but in 2001 the great tragedy of the Orion Draco invasion of the earth system the blue sphere alliance the inner dominion occurred with Mars being ravaged absolutely ravaged by the invading fleet but even though Mars is only half the size of Earth and 25% of its surface area and even though the Orion Draco had millions of ships in that armada glassing a planet is a much harder task you know it's much easier said than done 
And even though it was severe assault on Mars and a strike at its colonies, and while most human colonies fell, nine out of ten human colonies falling with a casualty rate of 90% of all colonists and defensive personnel, security personnel, and local, you know, equipment, hardware, basically the human presence, 90% of it was destroyed by that, by that end of that invasion. The reptilian, the insectilian, sorry, the insectilian presence, the native Martians, using their native caverns and their local traditional defensive in bunkers, uh, hives, nests, whatever you'd want to call them, their panic rooms basically deep, deep into the earth, uh, deep, deep into Mars, far deeper than Mars than humans have ever tunneled or dug. They were actually able to survive with a much greater percent of survival rate, with only 20% of their species falling victim to the Orion Draco invader. And in fact, they helped the survivors, the human survivors, by replenishing their life support systems and providing them the food and shelter that they would need after having seen that they had a mutual enemy and that the earthlings fought valiantly but were as cruelly destroyed as they once were for it is not the sadism of human beings that was witnessed during the first Earth versus Martian War, but the sadism, the cruelty, and the violence of the universe itself that all intelligent species that engage in war worship at the altar of so that they may be granted powers over the black magic and sorcery used in interplanetary interspecies warfare. The hardening of hearts and minds and the weaponization of all virtues of a species to turn God's gifts deadly. Those are the one of the local species on Mars, and their physical descriptions vary. With the drones looking rather humanoid, but more of a beetle nature than the mantids are described as, or as the warrior cast is described as with carapace wings rounded shorter bodies with overall proportions and resemblances of beetles 
Think dung beetles. Think scarab beetle. Think rhinoceros beetle. With each particular hive and tribe having variations on the shell pattern, variations of color, but generally each drone, starting at the very bottom of their system, of their, of their life, or the, I mean of their species, hierarchy, the worker drone, the drone which does most of the foraging, the labor, the, ex, the, the actual work of the tribe or the hive itself, appears like a beetle with iridescent metallic shelling fuzzy exposed but carapaced softer interior parts multifaceted eyes but general proportions of an earth insect a beetle the warrior caste has been described as centipoidal in nature with centipede type proportions, including numbers of legs and general you know um, cylindrical body plans with a forward facing head with rending claws, mandibles adjustable limbs and the many following legs used primarily for locomotion These are for subterranean operations and are known for their speed. Their reflexes and their agility. They could range from the smallest being six to nine feet long those used primarily in tighter confines or within the actual mixed company or uh, occupations between laborers, and, you know, royals, etc. as it goes on to the hierarchies. Basically, the smaller, less used for combat and more used internally for various you know, physical activities, internalized security, you know, um, patrolling, um, you know, janitorial services, taking out, you know, um, dead example drones, for example. But the thieves can exceed, this type can exceed 10 meters in length at the very largest. Having been documented being 10 meters in length during active wartime engagements, either pumped with a pheromone or a growth hormone, which enables the smaller varieties to exceed that size and, and you know, rapid growth and molting session, or being a specialized you know, rarer but more heavily utilized and specifically utilized uh, territorial explorer, defender, uh, attacker variety. And that that species can appear up to 30 
feet long, 10 meters long, while still maintaining its impressive agility, reflexes, and speed, movement speed. There are other varieties, including uh, specifically flyers that are so large that they can, you know, actually carry numbers of drones or cenopoidals in their, um, on their bodies and on their, you know, being, and they are used to fly in the atmosphere of Mars. The atmosphere of Mars, like we have mentioned, is 1%, a rumor to be 1% of Earth's atmosphere, yet... The physics are not the same due to this variation, but also phenomenon like clouds, weather, seasons, as well as sandstorms, the the winds involved, aurora borealises, and the flight, the demonstrated flight of the copter drone on the latest Mars rover sent by NASA prove that flight is possible in the Martian atmosphere, even by conventional aerodynamics and propulsive means. An insect with sufficient enough strength and aerodynamic, or even, you know, violating Earth's aerodynamics, like beetles are known to fly, can and gain lift and serve as a flying, uh, basically biological aircraft, transport craft. Now, obviously, in movies... Insectilians, like Starship Troopers. The Starship Troopers bugs were in the film, not the book, but the film were based on the Martian bioforms and basically call it uh, uh, soldier casts. The diversity of size and body shape, but also the resemblance to terrestrial insects, especially swarming insects. When it came to, you know, hostile engagements, etc. So the dangers that these beings present are not, at, though, in the movie, towards our spaceships, our aircraft, our armored vehicles, uh, mechanized infantry. They are towards poorly defended colonies, outposts, such as mining outposts that have industrial natures to them that are operating on skeleton crews and generally civilian occupied areas. Like I said before, their tactics of trying to cause terror and trying to intimidate mankind was specifically because they would target through burrowing and sapping civilian domestic structures and colonies living stations and quarters where the populations of civilians including families and juveniles would far outnumber security and defensive personnel they would attack these with extreme prejudice using the various multi-forms of their biology including the very large sensipoidal figures drones uh, carrying their versions of weaponry Either bladed melee weaponry, such as uh, primitive spears, arrows, uh, versions of crossbows, etc. I know that sounds very odd to think of insects not relying on their physical brute strength, but relying on what we would call savage weapons or primitive stone age weapons. 
but they were more like Bronze Age or Iron Age in terms of their weaponry. So swords, shields, uh, spears, yes, not strong enough to stop a armor-piercing, you know, full metal jacket from an AK-47 or a, you know, electromagnetically fired, you know, railgun round from a portable, you know, um, Spartan launcher, but enough to kill a mother and her child as they cowered in the corner of their apartment. Enough to overrun and to present even, you know, a lethal engagement to security personnel dressed like riot police. Um, the, even the automated defenses, you know, were overrun. And we're also talking in conjunction with their more specialized warrior cast, including those that can spit acid, um, the cinepoidal figures, which themselves have diamond-hard chitin and teeth, carapaces that are diamond hard they were more than enough to terrorize and to destroy those human beings and the threat was sufficient to warrant the development of that virological weapon for as we quickly found out even the weight of an advanced technological species is very little under the weight of billions of unified, you know, diverse, dedicated local intelligence, regardless of how much of an advancement we had in terms of extraterrestrial and technology, you know, um, nuclear energy, anti-gravity, that yes, ultimately the first colonists in that first Martian war were killed with spears and arrows and swords by a species that felt like it was being invaded by aliens and that if it did not fight for its life would be driven to extinction And by doing those drastic actions, almost forced its own extinction and a self-fulfilling prophecy of doom. And that that species ultimately would be now our greatest ally and best friend on Mars. But only after being beaten to an inch of its very existence. Now that's the truth of Mars. And Mars is not an entirely red planet. It has lush areas of grasslands with roots deep enough to touch the very nearest of water tables. It has areas of different kinds of deserts with very lush and thriving ecosystems in each. But yes, in many places, it is a scorched and barren wilderness. The ash and pulverized ruins of the now rusted 
and gone civilization of an empire that current that formerly inhabited the entirety of the of Mars of all of Mars' surface as one unified planetary empire truly violence and destruction is Mars's destiny because even the human beings that had destroyed the indigenous Martians haven't evolved in the shadow of that former empire were almost destroyed by the invading Orion Draco maybe together the survivors can break this cycle the cycle of damnation and destruction and of war but maybe Mars like its namesake suggests is the very domain of warfare itself a very red very angry giant but not red because of its sands because of the skies no red because the blood that's been spilled every millennia since its genesis and maybe the face on Mars the face of Cydonia isn't a monument to a long deceased emperor not a monument for the immortality of a Martian pharaoh no maybe it's the death mask of a fallen nameless soldier a dead titan fallen like many nameless once living beings have and will forever fall slain in battle on the red planet of Mars so don't you believe the lies don't you believe the illusion don't you believe the Illuminati when they tell you that Mars is a barren lifeless rocky red place that only its probes have stirred or seen or explored don't believe them and start thinking for yourselves when they start adding up all the lies you will see that they can't cash that check that Mars was once thought not to be able to possess any water at all and then they found water in the polar caps then they said most of its water 
is an ice in the poles. And now they found water under the surface in the equator. They said Mars's atmosphere was only 1% of Earth's and thus could not contain any oxygen or meaningful atmospheric gases. Being close to a void like our like the surface of our moon. And now NASA is flying remote controlled helicopters. On Mars. <clears throat> Don't believe the lies when groups like Mars One for 10 years tell you and hype you up that you'll be the first colonists on Mars allowed from Earth's population to live and die off-world to further humanity and carry the flag where no man has gone before. Don't believe those because while they're not lying about Mars and the colonies they're lying about you being the first one there they're lying about where they want to send you they're lying to what you're going to see because the first human beings that NASA will send to Mars will never be on Mars they will be in one of the analog sites either Hawaii Devon Island, a desert in Utah, the Atacama Desert, an island in Greenland. And they will pull another fast one on all of us by live streaming and presenting it to the world. Just like they did with the fake moon landing. And just like they do currently with the fake Mars probes, the rovers, and the unmanned systems that they land there. They will never tell you the truth because they can't tell you the truth. They have to create a new lie that is more truth than lie. Until eventually they can lie enough to come full 360 degrees to the original truth that they have forever that they have tried so hard to hide with all those lies that since the 1970s United States Americans and Soviet Union Russians with British engineers and various other international cooperative efforts like Japanese construction and manufacturing allied themselves to colonize Mars in joint-run missions to set up the first ever human off-world colonies. I don't consider the moon off-world. The moon is considered part of our world and part of our atmosphere. Mars was the first permanent 
establishments. Adam and Eve were the first two bases developed on Mars, run by Russia and America, respectively. These would be followed every year by the establishment of a new colony, run by a company representative of a new nation on Earth with each passing year, until eventually most of every ICC participating nation and peoples are represented currently on a Martian colony. The Dark Fleet helped provide security and military might during the first initial phases of the operation, ultimately resulting in a war between Earthlings as the invaders and native indigenous Martian insectilian beings. After nearly exterminating the insectilians and subjugating them into a peace treaty, the Mars colonies thrived and the populations boomed into the millions as cloning technology improved and as generational breeding continued. Until the year 2001, when Orion Draco forces invaded and attacked the Blue Sphere Alliance, first with Mars and 90% of all human beings and all human presence was destroyed. Since 2001, the operation has been rebuilt with an additional investment from all parties, including Solar Warden. And the population has increased now from its previous height twofold, nearly threefold the numbers entering near 100 million human beings currently residing permanently on Mars in deep underground colonies that access the subterranean water supply and cavernous environments now though Unlike previously, humans and the indigenous extraterrestrial insectilians are on peaceful terms, forming an alliance of mutual respect, cooperation, and opportunity. That's the truth of Mars, not the complicated series of lies that NASA, the Mars Society, and all Freemasonic institutes and academies of learning and education promote in every way they possibly can to oversaturate and dominate your awareness of reality so thoroughly that you willingly submit 
your ability to rationally and freely think and study and listen to others who do the same. When it comes to Mars, when it comes to the space programs, when it comes to engineering, when it comes to the ultimate nature and destiny of mankind. Thank you very much. I've been the Beyond Top Secret Texan. You've listened to the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast. Check me out on social media, Instagram. Check me out on uh, Patreon, uh, Beyond Top Secret Beyond Top Secret Text, text all caps on the Patreon. Linktree is all you need. L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Beyond Top Secret Texan. All one word, lowercase. Linktree Beyond Top Secret Texan brings you up all my social media, all my video hosting sites, all the links to my podcast uh, that matter. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Telegram is all there. Uh, TikTok, uh, Twitter. All of it, baby. Check it out. Um, Follow me. I post daily on each and every single one of them. So if you like that constant support and notification and updating, check me out on those sites. Follow, subscribe. Thank you all very, very much. The greatest audience out there in Dreamland. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. Namaste and shalom. Peace out. God bless you and your families.
Dominance. Submission. 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 Dominance. 